Let's Talk Crypto with Gabrielle Haynes. Hello, uh, we're on with uh, Fiscantis. You know him, you love him. He's a CT DGen investor extraordinaire. How are you doing today, Fiscantis? Hey, hey, I'm doing well. Uh, a bit mellow because there was a long week um, for me, like in conferences, in the meat space, but yeah, pretty chilled and happy to talk to Gabriel. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I'm like I said just now. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. We we spoke um, last time we spoke was six months ago in April. Can you believe that? Time flies, huh? It feels like five years or so. Like crypto is time warp uh, field. You know, the time just moves differently in crypto. I feel so, Absol- yeah. absolutely. Minutes become hours, <laughs> seconds. Oh seconds and days um yeah awesome so maybe uh t- tell me about the conference how 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 was your experience i mean it was you know it's it's here in gibraltar which is like um our home turf for our investment companies but you know the place is mostly populated by lawyers and legal service providers and all the other ngmis um <laughs> but you know it was very interesting for me to kind of be in this like physical um, like meet space with people who are very disconnected from crypto. Although they usually work in crypto in some capacity, they are like not very active on Twitter. They don't really understand the memes most of the time. So for me, it was I, I actually felt like an alien, especially after like two years of like not going anywhere because of COVID. I mean, I was traveling, but not really meeting a lot of new people and networking and stuff like that. So definitely almost like very new experience for me. And I had to adjust a lot. Yeah, that's super interesting how people that even work in the space don't necessarily get all of the like the memes you said, the humor, the the language, the the, the jargon. Um, so it's and, and, you know, I've said this before, like if a project reaches out to me and they're not on Twitter, they don't have like a Twitter presence. I'm very suspicious right away. I'm like, what is this? This is, this is, uh, this something is off here. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and like, not even like Twitter, some of these people, they just, you know, they are, they are good at structuring companies, you know, and, uh, providing some legal advice, maybe around some security issues, but you know, they don't really. I mean, maybe they don't even have MetaMask. They never tried, uh, you know, to send transaction or interact with a smart contract. And that's like completely different world. And then you are talking to them, you know, about what you are doing in the space and they just can't really wrap their heads around it. I mean, it's, there are definitely people like this here, even like lawyers can play with DeFi and uh, with NFTs. Um, like what's interesting is that more people actually now like talk about NFTs than they ever did about DeFi, I guess, like buying picture online and like kind of kind of owning it is is more understandable by normies than like interacting with some wrapped LP tokens and farming with them and, and pool twos and all these like more difficult things you can do in DeFi. So so that was interesting. Like lawyers kind of were talking about intellectual property rights with regards to NFTs and they don't really know that. You know, there is some underlying infrastructure and financial layer that is like much more complex and there are much more questions around it than there are around NFTs at this moment. 
Yeah, when we were like when we talked last, I feel like NFTs were barely even a thing. It was just yeah. this, you know, we knew about like I knew about it, but you know, I personally I didn't really take it super seriously. I was like super focused on DeFi. And then when the wave hit, you know, like you said, I think that there is something that people can connect to. You know, it's much easier to connect to a penguin you know, yeah. then to, like you said, wrap the LP tokens, like <laughs> it's uh, there's no emotion attached to the ladder. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have like stuff like uh, these food coins and like stuff like sushi is also like they have nice visuals. So it kind of can serve this purpose as well, but definitely having your own unique profile picture or some piece of art, it just hits you different when you are not like financial geek or a crypto nerd. If you're, just normally you know you uh, you were used to collecting cards and pokemon or, or sneakers easies right so this is something that i actually like even before i actually believed that this will be gateway for like normie adoption at least like in in uh, some areas but i also didn't expect this to blow up so fast and to actually for it to be like this i don't want to say stupid but it actually is kind of stupid like 99 <laughs> pictures which are not really like looking that good right there's just you know these like cartoon animals sometimes very lazily drawn and they have some rarities and like that's it so and people are trading them like crazy so this is something i didn't expect that being said i actually was kind of early in nfts i remember buying my first couple of art pieces on super rare in 2019 like late 2019 for like december or something and it was the first time when i was actually you know thinking about actually buying a piece of art when i saw it like as an nft so i was actually quite early i was playing with it uh, with it uh, just because i was curious about the trend and uh, one thing that kind of uh, interested me about nfts was that um as like at least these like art and like uh, cartoon nfts is that there are no like underlying fundamentals or promise of anything else in the future. Like when you have like ICOs or like even these DeFi farms, you kind of, there is a token or something and uh, they promise you that in the future, the platform will do something and the token will be more useful or it will accrue some fees or whatever. So there is promise of, of something happening in the future that will make the thing more valuable. But here it's, you just get the JPEG most of the times. So, I mean, yeah, there are, projects with roundups and stuff, but usually you just get a JPEG and there is some community uh, around the JPEG sometimes, or, you know, people are using these profile pictures or they are like, like, you know, telling stories about how this art is different than other types of art and how it is historically significant to the culture, but it's all memes. It's, it's like, you know, we at Z Prime were like vocal about our thesis on reflexivity and like memetic uh, markets and investments that are uh, focused around like memes and narratives and like these early nfts are the purest form of that and even stuff like nft auctions i was watching these early auctions like whales were outbidding each other you know almost to the point of like personal competition it was more about their own like egos and wanting to win this particular piece than it was about even like investment thinking that maybe the jpeg will be worth more in the future in other ways so so for me this was like really different and interesting endeavor but i would never expect this to be as big 
And yeah, I was like, I had very NGMI mindset around it. Whenever I saw something that I didn't aesthetically like, I didn't want to buy it. I mean, like I was looking at CryptoPunks when they were like to eat and Ethereum was like $600. And, and to be honest, it, it's CryptoPunks are kind of ugly. You know, there is this like pixel art, which isn't even the best. Um, it's just very simple and, you know, um, most of them, you know, look like pretty like bad. So I just bought, I just bought one just because I wanted to have one because it was one of the first things, but I was like, yeah, I'm just buying it with closed eyes and not really like willing to, you know, give it any more than like my two eat. So yeah, and this was the case with many projects, you know, in the, I saw many of, of these things that are now super big early and I never liked it. And usually I didn't buy it or I just minted a few or something and then sold it. So despite me being quite early, I still don't have like super big amounts uh, in terms of my personal portfolio NFTs. I saw you posted maybe a couple of weeks ago that your OpenSea had like a joint 2019 tag. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty proud of that. <laughs> I think that most I mean, people, yeah, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, there are definitely OGs who are much earlier in NFT space than me, but you know, given, given uh, the fact that in 2019, like even DeFi, DeFi was still nascent and like stuff like synthetics was just beginning, you know, me like venturing into NFTs when it wasn't clear, it will be a trend. I'm kind of proud that I ventured that way. You know, it was very like unusual because we our fund and our like, like uh, big investments were focused totally elsewhere. And my partners thought that I'm just wasting time. Um, but you know, it was funny and yeah, it, it helped us a lot or it helped me to formulate my NFT thesis quite quickly when I saw that the space is growing. So it wasn't like me fucking around in these like weird areas, like kind of, it may seem like just waste of time, but it sometimes bears fruit. It is super interesting that your fund basically embraces a meme so heavily. And this, like you said, is memes in its purest form. It, it, it feels like it's the perfect fit, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it is and it isn't, right? Like on one hand, like we kind of on fundamental level, we think that narratives and memes and like this mimetism are the, the biggest driving forces in what I call post-value society. Um, and by post-value society, I mean like the current, like digitalized, globalized um, type of society, which has like digitally native culture. And uh, it kind of seems that the most scarce resource in this type of society is not like some sort of natural resource or capital, but it's human attention. So like, whatever can capture human attention sustainably for a period of time uh, can attach some sort of an investment asset to it or whatever and can like become major thing or like major project major asset class or major asset so in this sense we like we are definitely aware of like this dynamic that being said it's not like z prime is holding any nfts directly um and we aren't like uh, we aren't even buying stuff like dogecoin right um, we are actually like looking at stuff still more from the perspective of uh, like technological innovation and like sustainable, you know, adoption, the space. So we would much rather invest in like NFT marketplaces and underlying infra than NFTs themselves. Um, you know, it's like 
NFTs rely mostly on tastemakers and like people who who push them forward that kind of you know form the narrative around them. Um, but uh, it can still be very tricky to find something that isn't just you know uh, trendy for one summer and then like falls out of favor. Um, so we can we can invest in like blue chip art blocks or maybe like the biggest crypto punks, but they're like. It's not really a venture bet because you cannot really expect at this stage, at least you can't really expect it to go like 100x or 1000x anymore, right? Um, so what is it? Is it maybe some sort of idiosyncratic store of value? We don't really like, we don't want to hold some store of value that may appreciate like maybe 2x, 3x, 5x. It's not really what we are doing. So yeah, and, and, the, and the downside is obviously like 100% because your bids just will disappear one day. Um, and you know the NFT is just just a picture. So uh, as an investors, we we don't really invest in NFTs directly. Although they are like we have like other um, other like strategies or other companies like connected to Z Prime that are doing even that. Uh, but in Z Prime, it's yeah we, we we still mostly invest in like great teams building future of France and future of you know uh crypto space um and yeah this is just something we are looking at and we are trying to understand like how the space will shape thanks to this like you know cultural layer that is now being formed by by nfts it's something that i took out of that just now is it's not memes for the sake of memes yeah. i guess doge is kind of the embodiment it's just a meme that is a meme right <laughs> you can have an investment that has some fundamental solves a problem. And on top of that, you overlay the meme narrative. And I think that, I think that's kind of what you're, you're trying to, what I understood from that. Yeah. Yeah. We are definitely, yeah. If, if there is something that can become huge by itself, uh, either by being some sort of financial innovation or technological innovation, it's always better if it can slap some sort of like, viral narrative to it you know if it has some i would say ideological color um you know it's not just like some neutral piece of technology that people may use or may not but people actually feel attached to it somehow you know like see bitcoin is like the best example even ethereum with like ultrasound memes and all the culture of developers and like inclusion you know which is like which is like dominant in ethereum it, it's sort of this is, I guess, better demonstration of what we mean by like, memes and narratives than just you know buying Dogecoin. Um, but that being said, we are also like investing in in some of the projects we don't even expect to be like super mem memetic. Uh, but we feel that some of these like technologies are so necessary to the space for the infrastructure that you know we should be investing in them, even if they are like even if the, if there will be in the background and not really. Uh, something that people talk about all the time on Twitter. So we have a lot of those as well. Right, right. Yeah, I've seen you talk about middleware, which probably yeah. isn't the most sexy thing, but <laughs> can maybe is the oil in the machine, right? So it's very important, but people don't not thinking about it necessarily. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is actually a bit of an like middleware is, is it's, it's interesting if you are like a geek uh, who cares about uh, these things. But it's not it's not probably something that will interest many normies. That being said, uh, we believe that you know many investors say that middleware won't capture any value. It will 
all occur in the app layer or aggregator layer or in this like social layer. Um, and middleware will be just this like boring thing in the background. Maybe there will be some small fees or something. We don't really believe that we actually think that crypto kind of changes this dynamic, which we saw in the days of internet, where like all the value is captured by a huge super apps like Google or, or Facebook and uh, and maybe like screens like Apple, right? And like protocols uh, such as HTTP and you know others uh, for for emailing like SMTP and stuff, they don't really capture much value. They are just you know pieces of tech that's kind of runs in the background. We think that crypto protocols, even if they are middleware, if they have tokens, if they have like decentralized. Uh, network and community of independent operators that need to be aligned with incentives to kind of run them i think this this is very different from like old school protocols I and mean, it can capture significant value with a token and with you know um with the way it provides like services in decentralized way um but we also see it as a bit of an like defensive investment like we we think that without this like middleware layer that will be sufficiently decentralized and robust, we are basically building a, you know, huge giant on like uh, uh, very uh, weak legs. We have like these blockchains, which are like maybe sufficiently decentralized, maybe not. And we have some applications and in between there is just this huge mess of uh, random like hacks and solutions, you know, stuff like Infura, you know, in this centralized bottlenecks for everything and, you know, custodians maybe. And if if this, you know, won't be like sufficiently uh, decentralized and open as like the centralized network or protocol, then we may end up in a situation when where crypto is just uh, maybe cooler fintech infrastructure, but it's not really ideologically, you know, um, changing the the space for the better when it comes to this like web tree and uh individual ownership kind of uh values that the like cryptologies uh, you know stand for so we kind of think that even 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 if like middleware wouldn't be the most sexy and most like uh, um profitable investment sector we still think that we as investors have the responsibility to kind of help this space to be as decentralized, as open, and like permissionless as possible. And right now, the weakest point we see is, is, is in the middleware. It's interesting that you take that um, responsibility on yourself. I think, I mean, I don't know, but most VCs are, would be probably just be monetarily driven, which not to say you're not, but you're taking kind of a, an ideological stance within this investment thesis? I don't know. I mean, without ideology or at least some sort of like set of values, um, I think it's very easy to become super cynical in crypto because a lot of crypto is like a huge like mess um, and like cesspool of like various either Ponzi's or like outright scams or something that, uh, you know, uh, LARPs as decentralized, but isn't really, you know, or like projects that just, you know, want to make as much money as possible in short as possible time and just want to fork. So if you don't have any like overarching set of values that that's like kind of that you can anchor your like thinking to from time to time, I think you can get very cynical very quickly and then 
you know, even though you are making money, you kind of, you know, you feel empty inside. This is, this is the case for me. Like, you know, at one point you realize that, you know, numbers on the screen are, are fine, but, you know, you, you should aim for like other goals as well. And, uh, and yeah, and even there is, there is also a risk that, you know, everybody will be making a lot of money, but, you know, the, the underlying tech starts to be more and more centralized un, uh, until we suddenly end up, you know, being choked to death by various like custodians and regulators and like, you know, this like establishment. And we, we will realize that maybe we have all this money, but we haven't built anything new. We just kind of played some like short-term games for a bit. And maybe we will now need to probably even like give back a lot of the money we earned, you know, because there will be like push from society because, you know, there are now there are these pressures, like if you make, too much money too quickly, which many people in crypto do, uh, without like having, you know, a lot of employees even, then I kind of feel that maybe in five to 10 years, there will be a, some sort of a backlash against like crypto rich, or like even like people who got rich from dot-com and from like internet technologies, like Jeff Bezos, he is getting a lot of heat uh, like in US that he should sell all of his like, like 90% of his property or like uh, give it to poor or something like that. And I think this can be even, you know, multiplied when it comes to crypto because like Amazon is at least more physical company where people kind of can imagine all the like, you know, all the logistics behind it, all those people that are being employed by Amazon. But if there is, you know, a couple of crypto guys like now with big funds or big projects where they employ like, I don't know, uh, 50 people tops and they are earning like insane amounts of money very quickly then this can really like turn into a, a huge like backlash from from like for example leftists um so that's why i think it's very important for everyone who is like big actor in crypto space to kind of have some sort of like set of values that are net positive for society and it should be a no-brainer to give back or to at least invest in a way that is positive sum for like crypto ethos and ecosystem. Yeah, that brings up a, a lot of things I can touch on there, but that, you know, this is this idea of like tax the rich. We saw uh, Acosta wear that dress to the, I don't know, some Met Gala, I think. And this narrative is is very, very strong. Um, and I definitely think it can continue to grow. And I do see how, like, optically, oh, this guy just made hundreds of millions or whatever, tens of millions, maybe in his basement, clicking some buttons. People will be inflamed by that. They'll be upset. Um, but, uh, but actually like what, it, what, what can you do about that? I mean, um, it's, it's like, it's free to access for anyone, right? If anyone is interested in taking the time and learning about it, then they can also access the, these opportunities. But on the other hand, of course, not everyone has, you know, the, the privilege of just, you know, spending all day degening on the computer, right? They have jobs and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. <laughs> what can you do about it i mean like one answer is just like lead by example or at least you know do what you can control which is like i, I can't persuade someone else to like invest in stuff that makes sense uh, from like value uh, perspective what i can do is just invest myself in a way that makes sense 
or like another thing is that you know there are these memes and narratives and like kind of connected connecting some sort of a meme to a behavior you want to you want to amplify more is is always good right um so like stuff like gitcoin actually makes investing in public goods or like donating to public goods much more cool um just because you know gitcoin is like this reputable entity that has like you know kind of big support from like uh, leaders in the space um and it's it's much more cool to like donate via gitcoin than it would be if there was no gitcoin and it would be only like some addresses you could send money and um yeah so like kind of channeling this this attention like as i said like attention is very important in a way that that makes it cool to do uh like stuff that you want people to do more is i think the the good answer to that absolutely i agree with that something you said before um reminded me of a tweet you did uh i don't know a couple of weeks ago you said you made x amount of money the numbers went up on the screen and you didn't feel anything um i feel like from just from observing a lot has changed in your life in the past six months i think that your twitter has grown a lot you have much more influence you've made some pretty good investments uh the space continues to grow um what what has changed for you in in this time so like like from materialistic perspective not not that much i mean um i still probably spend the same money i still don't own much in meat space like my biggest thing i ever owned was an apartment which i sold in uh, in 2019 right before uh covid hit um and then like i have my laptop i have my electric scooter and i like travel a lot so like in this sense maybe i i don't know sometimes if i can i will just pay for a priority pass or something but that's about it um that being said um, my mindset is changing a lot actually like i i'm less and less patient with playing some games that i i used to enjoy a bit more like there were these like short-term short-term games i sometimes played like these august tables and i i basically just you know had some small money that i used to aim into them and just try to figure out the rules and i i took it as some sort of a poker tournament you know that there are there is some poker tournament you play it and then you either end up winning or losing and that was it you know it was a zero-sum game and i sometimes i did these things um not with like huge amounts but just just to have fun and to kind of understand the mechanism right now i'm just so bored with it already i kind of you know i much i much rather just collect jpegs just because you know you have something at the end of it something that you may like aesthetically or it can grow in value but i don't count on it growing in value um and i kind of feel that right now at this point of my life i should start focusing more on stuff like health and fitness and my personal relationships which really i mean it didn't suffer that much some of it suffered during this like DeFi summer and subsequent like bull run um but yeah it's i need to get a bit more balance into my life and partially it was also caused by the fact that during covid it was much harder to travel um i really hope that this, this will like start changing soon it already is but you know in asia there are still like massive lockdowns um so yeah so with with hopefully covid kind of starting you know stopping to be such a threat 
I will be able to get my life more into this adventurous balance mode from hardcore like grinding mode that I was in uh, for like last, I don't know, year and a half or so. Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying. It gets um, it gets boring to do the <laughs> the fifth or sixth or tenth algo stable, and also there's a feeling of uh, overwhelm for me personally. Like if you try to get into every single new project, you know, try to yield farm every single new thing that's not that you know going in is not going to last very long, then you're probably not spending your time wisely. Even if you do end up making, you know, a little bit of money, it, it, it's not really adding value, right? I actually like this term. I'm not sure who coined it. I, I read it on Twitter, uh, one of the smaller accounts I follow, which is Mardo. Uh, there was this term like uh, return per unit of mindshare, meaning like how much attention and like mental energy you need to spend on something. Uh, versus how much you know profit or return you will get from it, and I was starting. I, I'm starting to think more and more about it. Like, like, how can I earn the best possible return with the lowest possible mindshare spent? You know, because like as I said, the the real scarce resource right now is attention, and I probably could make a lot more money if I really paid attention to every new mint and drop and like new like farm on every new chain that will be irrelevant in the next two weeks. Uh, I could probably maybe like even like triple my current like return on investment, but I would need to spend so much more time and mental energy and focus on it. And I kind of feel it's not really worth the trade-off anymore for me, um, especially realizing, you know, that like life is short and you kind of want to enjoy stuff and you want to be healthy, you want to feel good. So, um, so in this sense, I'm starting to really like put it into this like mindshare unit perspective. I like that. I like that a lot. So that being said, aside from conferences, how are you spending uh, most of your time these days? Well, it's still like mostly the same old as for the past like 1.5 years. I travel a bit more. I was more based in one place before. Now I will be traveling a little bit Lisbon, right? Um, and even after Lisbon, I will be uh, traveling a bit more. And I used to, other than that, a lot of calls with founders, um, independent reviews of different projects. And like one thing that changed a bit is that our team kind of grew. We have more people. So some, some things that I used to do myself right now, are, you know, I'm outsourcing to other members of the team and kind of overseeing it. So um, it's, uh, it's a bit more like strategic and management work and a bit less like clicking buttons in farms. Um, and like doing like deep dives into projects. I usually, you know, just read some resumes or summaries. Uh, one thing that we kind of started to look, look at only recently, like three months ago, and it kind of, it, it seems that it will be like the next like big thing, let's say is like crypto gaming, you know, uh, which, is, which is something that me and my colleagues, uh, especially a gaming side, we have some uh, like experience from that area, me being a poker player and like a poker coach and poker community administrator in the past. Um, and some of my other friends have like different experience from like esports um, and other games. So we kind of feel that we have sort of an edge in this direction when you combine it with like uh, 
you know, how you can design tokenomics within the game. Um, there is basically right now only one super successful crypto game that's Axie Infinity, and we we missed most of it. We, we missed like, we are not like early investors in Axie, but we kind of think that there will be many more games that will like be successful if they combine some sort of like gaming aspects or some some things from traditional gaming if they combine it with like token incentives token economies and maybe some play to earn models or, or you know uh, incentivization of community engagement uh, on a deeper level and like individual ownership of, of digital assets and and playable characters like these things we kind of feel that they will be shaping um like crypto adoption in the next like two to six to seven years um so yeah we are looking into that a bit more and i really enjoy it because it's like something that is a bit different than like even like jpegs or like DeFi, which was very um much about understanding like finance um so this is this is a bit more playful even though DeFi itself is like one huge game with a lot of different mini games right but this is a bit more playful and yeah I, it, i'm very excited to work with people that really understand gaming and we kind of feel that this can be our like maybe maybe the best or one of the best investments we will make i expect them to be actually some games going forward i like how you bring up uh crypto gaming i was listening to uh the parallel podcast uh yesterday i'm a big fan of magic the gathering i play all the time and i'm super excited for i mean parallel but any other type game like magic the gathering type card game with nfts or some DeFi mechanics um I'm, i'm really excited for to play these games because right now i mean they don't they don't really exist right there's axie but it's pretty much it as far as crypto games go i mean there's some smaller ones but yeah definitely a category that i as a gamer would like to see more of um what are like what are some of the ideas the behind crypto games that you really like are excited about like what are some of the maybe mechanics or i don't know integrations that you think could be really cool well i actually think that uh yeah i agree that parallel is very exciting and we are like we hold or I hold some like parallel cards as well. And we, we will do some cool stuff with parallel. I'm not sure if I can disclose what it is, but it will be out soon. So we are like even like in touch with parallel team and stuff. Um, but uh, like coming back to your original question, I feel that many people kind of bash this play to earn side of like Axie or like this like new um trend of crypto games like you know you are playing to earn money and not to really enjoy the game so it's not really a game it's more like work um i don't see it this way i actually think that like it may be uh, like one of the solutions to like uh you know to people being replaced by by computers and robots in in some countries uh i kind of feel that It, I mean, it is definitely hard to balance the in-game economy in a way that is sustainable and work, uh, works long-term, especially if the game is at least partially decentralized, so you cannot just change stuff every day. Um, but I think that like, playing or doing some sort of activity in this like virtual ecosystem 
where others are willing to pay you for it because then it helps them to enjoy some other aspects of the game more so they don't have to do the things you are doing i think this this can be something that uh, um that can be even much bigger we've already seen in philippines with axi right and i mean yeah axi is kind of ponzi like but that's almost everything in crypto space that bootstraps using like some sort of token incentives so play to earn is definitely one thing that i think that i hope will be um like expanded on the other thing is that you know for the first time you can actually own your items it's not like just entering some centralized database and when the game is shut down you you lose like even years years of gameplay you dedicated to the game so if you own your nfts even if the game is like abandoned by original developers there are still maybe some community members that would like to fork it or keep playing or or maintaining it which is much easier when like parts of the game are like open you know permissionless and decentralized uh, at with nfts these items at the core one kind of running thesis or idea i have which i'm not sure if it will really materialize in any meaningful way but i think it's kind of cool and i would like to see it succeed is this like idea of uh, open gaming ecosystems where like there is not just one a a game built by one studio and like one group of developers and everyone else playing it i would actually like to see some gaming ecosystem that would be built bottom up by the community members and uh, maybe there will be nfts or nft gaming items that could be usable in multiple games or these games could be like additive to one another you know and they, they could create maybe a less coherent and a bit more messy experience than like these like huge MMORPGs, for example. Uh, but they would be like organic. They would be like, you know, like gaming societies building up and some some mini games within these societies would be very successful, some less successful, but it would create this like um, decentralized gaming experience with with basically like you could even call it metaverse i although i think that metaverse is even like broader term um but i would be excited to to really play in a world that gives me like very large set of experiences some of them maybe even like suboptimal or like you know not really fleshed out very well but still like it would be it would be like living in a different world with its own like rules and it wouldn't be just you know given to us by some gods but some, by some developers that developed it once and they are just trying to optimize it but it would be something you can participate in and like probably the rawest and and like first kind of example of of this um dynamic is loot right where like there is this there are just items and people are trying to build around the items like some other stuff you know visualize them build marketplace for them or drop some other things that are additive to the like to the universe which basically stems from this core which are just these items i don't necessarily think that loot will be some sort of a coherent gaming experience like you will have these items and you will go fighting dragons or stuff like that in some huge aaa mmorpg but i think that it's like the first first kind of demonstration how how you could bootstrap some sort of community that would independently build part of some like part of this experience and make it into something maybe even like very weird and not like the games we are used to playing but something that will be cool and engaging nonetheless 
Yeah, the loot uh, craze definitely captures this idea of having bottom up and definitely interoperability is the huge promise of nfts that you could take your sword from one game to another that that's been a story i've heard you know and that doesn't really exist yet but potentially loot could be that one of the criticisms is that if you actually need these nfts to play then it's quite expensive i mean i don't even know what the floor is but it's probably like 10 15 ETH for a loot oh it's like five but you are right is i mean if if the idea was that you need to acquire these sets of items to be able to play then it's usually like yeah it obviously sucks as a game but like i mean there are like multiple things that are being done so this is not the case like you can see loot uh, the original loot as some sort of like version one alpha collectibles that uh, you know form the core community with some governance rights and you know the developers of loot are actually they actually released um this m loot which is much cheaper or there is even a there is even a, a version of loot which is like accessible like if you have ethereum address you automatically have access to some loot which is free so this is not very like this is often i i hear this kind of criticism but this is this is very weak criticism. I would say that much bigger criticism of this like approach to build the whole game starting from some simple primitive something like item is that it's kind of restricting and you want to build a game where you set the you lay out the rules of the game and the goals of the game first and only then you start adding stuff like items. Like starting from items is very like unorthodox and I don't think many game developers would agree that it's, it's a good idea. Um, so yeah, so this is, I think, much, much bigger criticism. Also like this sort of a, um, um, this like uh, tragedy of commons, like everybody owns some loot, you know, they are kind of expensive and maybe some of them are rare. So you, you made a lot of money if you minted them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that some very good game developer is incentivized to start building something really cool with loot. Why, why would they? Why wouldn't they just build their own game and maybe then allow some some holders of loot to I don't know get something in that game? So this is how you can bootstrap the community using loot holders without needing to have loot as core component of the game. Um, so I'm I'm still like curious if there will be something more to loot or if it will just end up as being this like performance art with like you know with uh, with a very cool history uh, but not really. Uh, playable environment you can enjoy as a player yeah it definitely tapped into something though i mean for i don't know a week or two weeks it was all the rage and every vc was tweeting long threads about how loot yeah. is the next metaverse or whatever um but now i feel like it's died down but i but i've seen some development I'm, i don't have any loot so i'm not uh following super closely but it seems like there have there's this uh app that lets you you know unbundle your loot which i think is pretty cool um so uh, the community still still seems to be sticking around but for how long uh nobody knows right yeah, I mean, everyone is just building like primitives. There are some like projects that are building visualization for loot, but I think the like the, the strength of loot was also the fact that there was no picture. There were just texts, which is like the most abstract form, uh, apart from numbers, which are like not as 
as uh, you know readable by humans uh, but like having just text written you know like i don't know this chest plate of of the fox or something it kind of springs your attention and kind of you know you you are starting to imagine how how does this set of items actually look like and you know if it's powerful or not then it kind of you know it abstracts away everything unnecessary and just you know leaves you with the core idea which, you, which your mind can expand on so this is kind of cool but it's very abstract and uh, it's not really something that you would call usp when it comes to gaming um but yeah i kind of feel that we will have like rather than one big loot game there will be like multiple primitives that will be built around loot and then people can play with them and maybe add their own stuff and maybe there will be some some maybe gaming ecosystem stemming from that maybe like loot won't even be used in in this future game maybe only these primitives that are being used for like unbundling loot and visualizing loot maybe someone will take those and make something even cooler with this so this is like this uh, this randomness and this like uh, chaotic like expansion in all directions and this like like unguided uh, innovations that are happening around loot is what excites me more than some idea of of a game where i will equip my loot and i will fight some dragons or something this is something that everybody imagines when they hear about loot for the first time and i don't think this will be the case or this will be the coolest thing you can do with it it's more about how these primitives then can be connected together and used in in different ways with maybe some totally different projects or maybe it won't be even a game but something completely else but like this unknown unknown when it comes to innovation is what what's very exciting about about lot of crypto like everybody can do copycats but only only few were able to bring something that's so totally new um but you are also right that the attention is kind of waning at least from like from ct because you know uh there is always a new shiny thing around the corner and people are ready to kind of abandon anything that's not like making the money anymore to jump on the new train and this this will be the case with most projects like vast majority of projects will just suffer from lack of attention and and that's what matters to capture sustainable attention here yeah the loot game is already being played right <laughs> just these yes, all these yes. interactions all these governance decisions that is maybe that itself is the game yeah yeah building the loot ecosystem is also a game by itself so yeah i mean that's definitely right this is this is the meta game we we are playing with loot and there is one uh, one layer uh below that and this is like all the other projects that kind of try to connect together other nfts and these are also games uh, games uh, on their own or in their own right they we just don't think about it about them as games but some sort of independent activities but it's all facilitated on on some common layer usually ethereum or some blockchains and it's all like one huge coordination uh, game where we are trying to play short term or long term you know and we have different goals and different utility curves and we try to kind of navigate the world to to achieve something usually number go up but sometimes other goals as well some expression if you are an artist right yeah yeah absolutely are there any other we touched on a few already are there any other um, nft games crypto games that you you're excited about um there are many there are many that i'm excited about uh, what one game I cannot, I don't think I can disclose the name yet, 
Um, but there is one game we invested in and it's, it's being built and it kind of, it's one of those games where they strip down everything unnecessary and just try to give you the best, rawest possible gaming experience with, without all the bullshit and kind of, they, they want to change how we think about like, especially competitive games and esports. Um, I cannot really say much more, but I'm very excited to see if this will work out. That being said, we are invested in, in, uh, in many games. Some of them are more standard, I would say, not as like revolutionary or uh, they, don't, they don't aim to do anything like super new. They just want to combine things that already exist in a new and cool way. Um, in this direction, uh, yeah, we recently announced our investment into Aurory, which is built on Solana. I really love the art and you know the, the background mechanics of Aurory. I mean, it's a bit similar to Axie, but a, a lot more complex, and it also gives you this like, I would say like education when it comes to crypto. So if you are a new player being onboarded, you will also like efficiently learn how to how to use wallets and stuff like that. So that's also very cool. Um, what else? I mean, there are yeah, there are many games we are looking at some of them are even like connecting the like crypto incentives um and the strategizing within crypto space with some real world activities where you can just you will have i don't know some real world task maybe you will have to run or something and and you will be incentivized to do it um, by something so these like these like incentives i kind of feel that crypto is all about incentives and this is like the overarching theme in DeFi, in NFTs, in like gaming, and like if you if you figure out the right incentives, you can create something that you know is is capturing a lot of attention, and then you have time. Even if the if the game itself isn't that good, if the incentives are right, it just buys you time to then figure out how to make the game better, unless the incentives run out. And this is this is the case with many DeFi projects as well. You know, you have like big incentives, so you are farming there, so you are providing them with liquidity or whatever, and then like, you know, time clock, you know, ticks, and you will have maybe, I don't know, how long these incentives take, six months or something, to, to really bootstrap the ecosystem, the adoption, and create something that's, that then maybe not even need incentives or, or it needs them less. On that topic, uh, one of your... I don't, I don't know if it's prominent investments. I don't know if you could say that, but Olympus DAO, which has been taking off in the last months, was something that you invested in early. Um, what do you, what do you, why do you think it's been so successful? I mean, I feel like the market cap has grown to over a billion, maybe it's 2 billion now. Sushi today put it as like a, a native, but like a native token within its swap next to USDC and WETH, and which I thought is pretty big deal. Um, why do you think it's been so successful? So I would say there are like many small things, but if I can group them together into like two. Um, so one is the the actual like design of the protocol. And the fact that this like protocol or DAO aims to be, let's say, an agent in its own right. It, it aims and actually does own its own liquidity 
So you know the biggest liquidity provider is the is the Olympus DAO itself. So it doesn't hire mercenaries to provide liquidity for it. It kind of takes care of it on its own. And then uh, there is this like bonding mechanism, um, which is like I would say it's it's a better way how to do like token sell than like some sort of an ICO because you can do it on ongoing basis. Um, so this is like one part, and you see like Olympus Pro is already being adopted. Uh, by other projects which kind of recognize that this is maybe uh, also a better way to, to distribute. Um, but I would say that the biggest factor is definitely community. Like for, for the community to really be active and to like to have members that are super loyal and in, in it for the long term, I think you, you need to nail one thing and that is you need to make and I think I, I said it before multiple times, you need to make enough random community members well off so they can they can then like, I don't know, even quit their job or uh, stop focusing on other investments and start focusing fully on, on, on the one that made them the most money, which in many cases was actually Olympus. Um, when I was, when I wrote uh, my like now very famous thread about Alpha, you know, I, I put like three recommendations at, uh, at the end, and one of those, one of those three was like joining Olympus Discord and start uh, engaging there, and many people did. And I actually had like at least thirty messages on Twitter and elsewhere from like random people with like even like super low follower accounts. We don't know about them; they are not like influencers or big investors. Like saying to me that thanks to that thread and thanks to them uh, joining Olympus early they were able to you know basically make it and you know maybe they they, they had like ten thousand dollars um in their portfolio and then they put like one thousand into olympus and it it went up to like higher six digits for example so then they diversified a bit and maybe they bought some nfts that went up as well and now these like random annons that like half a year ago they were just joining crypto with almost nothing now they command like seven digit portfolios and they can focus on the on it and like of course some of them dumped olympus and moved on to other things but many of them stayed because the community is actually like very engaging i mean i'm i'm anytime i go to discord i'm just so overwhelmed for me it's like too much because i have so many different other different things as an investor in the space that i can't really focus on one thing but i can imagine many of these people are just you know waking up, logging to Discord, like chatting with homies, you know, spending the day there, uh, thinking about some, some, you know, even some protocol stuff and just having fun, sharing memes. Um, yeah, maybe they enjoy like movie night or like poker night or whatever is actually, you know, going on in, in Olympus. There, there are calls. Um, everybody can join the DAO and just start helping more closely. And yeah, I, I'm kind of, this is one thing that I kind of regret that I have so many different responsibilities that take up so much of my time that I can't really be so active in, in Olympus Discord because it's just one of the most fun places on the internet to be, I would say. Wow, that's a big compliment. Um, one thing you said there, owning liquidity, just that idea is so powerful. It, it makes me think of uh, if you own a restaurant, if you own the building, in the restaurant and you're the chef gives you so much more staying power and you can actually there's so much more higher chance you'll be successful if you actually own the place rather than have to pay rent 
So just that idea of having ownership over your own, over the liquidity, over the value, it's um, it's a big, it's a revolutionary idea. I'm, I'm surprised that this, it's like one of the first projects to actually do that. And I think that is is really key. Yeah. And it's not even that, it's, it's just the overarching philosophy of not only Olympus, but some other DeFi projects. It's it kind of sometimes it's very different than what you uh, what you see in traditional finance. Like you could say that Olympus owning its own liquidity and just providing it passively in like XYK sushi pool is very inefficient, right? You could have like professional market makers who would be providing uh, very tight order books, or maybe they would be providing very tight liquidity range in Uniswap B3, and they would manage it actively. And with much less capital, they would uh, they would be able to provide you know a lot of liquidity uh, efficiently. And you can say that Olympus like doing this very like passively, just owning a lot of assets and just putting them in passive pools is is not efficient. But for me, like when we when you are building the core of the new, let's say, financial layer of the internet, for example, if, if I can frame it this way, you don't necessarily want to have everything like super efficient and like um, like cutting edge fast and whatever. I kind of feel that there is this like forget forgotten value of redundancy. Like nature, nature is actually doing that really well with, uh, uh, you know, with us having like two lungs and two kidneys and like two hands. And if you lose one, you can still survive. And it's not the most efficient thing energetically. It costs you it costs you energy to have two organs instead of one. But, you know, it, it helps you. It helps you survive and shit hits the fan. And like, this is the case for these, like, let's say, over collateralized uh, stable coins or positions as well, that they are capitally inefficient. And of course, they won't be the biggest thing in the world, just because of that, they will be. They won't be as competitive. But you want to have some some layer of financial infrastructure that's redundant enough. Uh, so in case that everything else is kind of failing because it's fragile, it's over optimized for performance and not for survivability, you still have these like multiple core like protocols that you can kind of lean on and that that, that can sustain the pressure. I'm not saying that. Like if something bad happened, like Olympus wouldn't dump, obviously it would, but it would sustain that pressure because there is this like protocol owned passive liquidity just sits there and is ready to buy it on any time. Um, so yeah, because you know, the professional market makers could, could as very well just leave, you know, and rug you and there would be zero liquidity from from one, one second to the next. Um, so yeah, I kind of feel that redundancy is something that's, that's not really desirable in many like instances, but when it comes to building some new protocols, uh, when it comes to finance, you you want to have some redundancy inherent to the ecosystem. I like that analogy with nature. That's pretty interesting. Um, and and I I did an interview with Zeus uh, last week, and he said something pretty interesting that you don't want the ohm stakers to feel like they're in a basically i'm paraphrasing but basically in a pvp with the liquidity providers i think that if p if the lps if it's actively managed and there's a feeling that ohm is going to dump then they pull the liquidity 
then everyone who's staking uh, is basically screwed, right? So yeah. having that peace of mind that it's not moving anywhere, it's it's kind of um, a core functionality of the protocol. Yeah, and I want to. Yeah, this is this is good point, and I want to circle it back to my to my saying I already repeated many times, like that attention is and focus is one of the scarcest resources, and when you can, you know rely on something being very stable and even redundant uh you don't have to expend too much focus and resources on like figuring out how to optimize for the short term and how to like cover your ass if something goes wrong because you can rely on that piece of infrastructure or like financial ecosystem to to be solid and stable and like this is something that kind of bitcoin does or tries to do with being decentralized with having small blocks and stuff like that despite it being like less efficient and i think from like financial or DeFi perspective olympus is a bit of like bitcoin in this sense that it wants to have this like like stable base that, that you can sort of rely on and start to focusing on other things rather than on worrying about lps leaving and, and stuff like that and yeah it's, it's it's one big coordination game and in that coordination game your your goal as designer of the game is uh, for the parties to be coordinated in a way that uh, kind of uh, achieves some sort of a goal long term and frees your hands not not, ha not not have to like think about short term and about the short term Nash equilibria of like other players if they are suddenly not incentivized to like to like suddenly rug you or dump on you so I'm like it's not like Olympus solved all these problems without a question but it's definitely like on the way to to try to create this like more like long-term oriented uh, uh coordination game rather than short-term one you just got a three three and chill that's it that's all you got to do i mean three three is actually it's a similar meme to hodl it's like hodl for smart people i call it um <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah it's, it's definitely yeah it's definitely probably one of the best memes in the space still um so yeah, it kind of helps. Does this narrative helps because it kind of it reduces the the it, it makes everything less nuanced. It reduces the nuance. It makes it clear. Uh, if you understand what the meme means, it kind of conveys a lot of information very easily. Like it's like from long term perspective, it's always better to uh, kind of play this long term game of staking. Of course, I mean there are short term strategies that are maybe even like more profitable than passively staking, but then. Again, you need to dedicate mind share to it, and um, yeah, for many people, it just they just want to have this peace of mind. And I really hope that Olympus will be able to achieve its like final goal of being this like semi-stable reserve asset, because I think we kind of miss it in DeFi. Um, but yeah, we will see. Still a long way to go. That uh, that's a good example circling back to the beginning of having a meme overlaid on top of an actual innovation that the meme helps propel the innovation rather than it's just being a meme for the meme yeah one uh one of the marks of a successful protocol is forks and uh, ohm has had a couple pop up time temple and uh, the one that i want to talk to you about if you could, is Klima. 
which I saw okay. you. Just to, yeah, just to uh, jump, <laughs> jump in, uh, Temple, I don't think Temple is Fork anymore. I think they started as a Fork, but then they added a lot of their own stuff. Um, so it's not, I don't think it's really a Fork, but I haven't looked into it that closely. Fair enough, fair. But taking some of the ideas at least. Yeah. Uh, not, uh, maybe not strictly a Fork, but some of the ideas of low volatility and stuff like that. But, um, Klima was is a project that I believe that you invested in. Uh, I saw you post about it. Um, I don't know, maybe a few months ago. I don't remember when, but I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on the project. I think it's quite complex. I don't fully understand it, but I, I don't expect you to dive, like put it all on the platter right now, but maybe some ideas. I'll get it. Um, so yeah, Klima, I think Klima is one of the, most outrageous investments we made and i mean if the idea is outrageous maybe there is something into to it you, you want to explore it more i remember speaking with klima guys um and it was for me i i usually ignore olympus forks i'm like you know I'm, i already invested in olympus why would i distract myself with some forks that usually won't be as good as long-term oriented as olympus anyway maybe they will be just short-lived or maybe i don't know they will be like run by these honest people. I don't know. I just don't want to touch it. But like Zeus was like advising Klima Dao. So he was he was involved and I asked him about it and he said like the guys are legit and yeah we should we should talk with them and then they and they reached out to us as well. And I was like super skeptical, right? I in my mind when we, we before we had the first call with Klima team I had like 80% probability of like not investing and being bored to death because like, to be honest, I didn't really like prior to Klima, I didn't really care that much about like this carbon offsets kind of helping the environment and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like it's just a big like attention sink for people who want to like signal something, uh, some, you know, social signaling. Um, so, I started the call like very honestly with Klima team. I said, guys, I don't know anything about carbon offsets and I don't even care. It, it, even the idea bores me. So if you will help me understand it, and at the same time, if you make me care about the, the topic, then you, you won me over. And it took like two hours of me asking really stupid and basic questions. And they did it. They, they made me care and they made me understand how, how the market works. Um, so I, it's, it took two hours and I would actually, I would love if this conversation was, uh, um, was recorded because I think for many, many crypto people or many people like me, if they listen to it, it would be very, very beneficial. I learned a lot that day. Um, but to give you just very quick gist, like this, like carbon offsets, there are like two types of carbon credits. One of them is issued by governments, you know, and it's forced upon factories usually. And the other is voluntary. Carbon offsets are uh, are the second type. They are voluntarily um, bought by like various companies that want that, that want to be like market sorry not market neutral carbon neutral, um, or they want to kind of propel the space. So it's still about a lot about like memes and narrative and like social signaling uh, or virtue signaling, so to speak. It's a bit cynical way to say it, but yeah, that's what it is. Um, and there are like non-profits, a couple of them around the world that are issuing these carbon offsets. They are giving them to uh, 
projects that want to do some some uh, some green activities like i don't know plant more trees or whatever and then these big companies like google will come to these projects and they buy these carbon offsets off these companies uh, or these like green projects that are then like turning profit because these companies bought it and yeah and there are some governments that are actually incentivizing this behavior um but you know the the market around this like carbon offsets is like super inefficient super small it's like you need to write emails to people and it's very hard to navigate and uh klimadao guys uh the first project they have or what they built is like it's called co2 can co2 can and it's an infrastructure that, that lets you uh tokenize uh carbon offsets from the off-chain world to bring it on chain um, and when it's its own chain, I don't know, some, even some crypto miners already bought these to kind of, you know, be more carbon friendly and, you know, to signal that they care about the environment. So this was like the first thing they did. And then they basically, what they, what they are doing now with KlimaDAO is they are forking Olympus DAO. It works the same way on, or very similarly on the, on the background in the financial sense as Olympus, but instead of DAI and uh, LUSD and other like common treasury assets that Olympus is using. The only type of treasury asset within uh, within KlimaDAO will be these tokenized carbon offsets. And they will release Klima, which is similar to OM, as like this independent green currency against the treasury. Um, and they will, you know, there will be like APY, they will incentivize DGENs to kind of buy these uh, tokenized offsets uh, there will be like liquidity pool with them so they can buy them, put them into treasury, uh, you know, with bond, bond bonding mechanism and just start earning. Um, and what this will hopefully do is that this will pump the price of carbon offsets on chain, these tokenized carbon offsets, which in turn will incentivize entities that are capable of doing so to buy these carbon offsets off chain and to bring them on chain, right? To kind of cover this arbitrage. So very like cynical way to, to think about it is to, to see it as some sort of like huge organized pump of price of carbon offsets, which in turn will lead to like more green projects being able to profitably do like green activities of chain because their carbon offsets they, they got for free are now worth more. So this has like this is one of the few like green environmentalistic projects that are or probably the only one in the world that is harnessing not only these like virtue signaling uh, uh, appetite of huge companies like Google and Microsoft and some factories who are like you know they want to buy these carbon offsets because they want to signal they are environmentally friendly maybe even like let's say Chinese government is now requiring all of companies to be carbon neutral. So this is one thing that these carbon offsets like are, are riding on, right? This like virtue signaling aspect, or maybe a bit of a future cover against regulatory uh, like uh, backlash aspect. But they are, KlimaDAO is the only one that is also harnessing this huge untamed natural resource, which is like human greed and speculation, especially uh, from the side of crypto degens. And they are actually harnessing it in a way that in theory and hopefully will help you know to propel to to change something to push some equilibriums in the real world with regards to like 
viability of uh, green activities of green projects holding carbon offsets. That was a mouthful. That was a mouthful, right? Yeah, I definitely. I still. I get it a little better now. Um, but it doesn't that create like uh, inorganic demands? Well, I mean, what's inorganic demand? It's. It's like if the yeah sorry I'm just saying like if the government gives a you know stimulus to a car company right that usually isn't good for the market because now they're able to make cars cheaper so it creates some sort of market inefficiency and then etc cetera, etc cetera. so I could see kind of how this would be the same thing in creating a stilted market I don't know what the ramifications of that would be but I don't know what do you think. It now, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think if there is like big distinction between demand from crypto legions and demand from like big companies which want to virtue signal. Both types of demand are like real and legit, and there are money behind them, right? So, which demand is more organic? The one that you know some Google executives pushed through board meeting because they want to uh, signal they are more environmentally friendly and they they want to have like advertisements around it or some crypto legions they just want to farm the new cool thing like I, I don't know if one type of demand is organic and the other is not like both types of demand are driving the price up and pushing some equilibrium somewhere and hopefully the equilibrium will be pushed in the right direction meaning there will be more pro projects incentivized to instead of like uh, uh, I don't know harvesting palm oil in some like jungle area, they will be incentivized suddenly by economic incentives to you know plant new trees there because it makes more sense financially for them. Um, so it definitely will distort some sort of a market in some way, but like not every market distortion is necessarily wrong. And I wouldn't even say like what 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 exists now with carbon offsets or what like this market does is really like open and undistorted market. Like every market is distorted in a lot of ways. And what Klimadao does is like consciously harnessing some new form of demand to distort market in a very specific direction that you know should be net positive. I mean, it's it's a huge experiment and it sounds outrageous, and I like that it is outrageous. And but I actually think that it has a good chance of working, and I really want to see the result. I kind of feel that it's one, you know, like Elon Musk was also like signaling about ESG and Bitcoin mining and all the jazz. So like something like Klimadao is maybe like one Elon Musk away from like exploding into a huge thing that uh, kind of just gobbles up these carbon offsets and like creates a lot of like economic incentives for green projects. And then like the final output is obviously this like Klima token, which is, I don't know, let's call it like green currency. And this green currency can be in theory adopted and used by merchants as some sort of a green voucher like if you have klima or if you pay with klima or partially pay with klima maybe you will be uh, getting some discounts because you are now green and like, it's all like narratives and and the memes that are serving some underlying purpose um it's not technological innovation of course it's not even financial innovation the financial innovation is olympus this is just copying olympus i would just say it's it's a new way how to channel crypto speculation into something outside of crypto that I mean most of people would agree that is net positive um, but yeah it, it will be a market distortion definitely like every pump is a market distortion when you have like suddenly a lot of people buying something in the real world you know say raw materials 
you know, it distorts the market, whether it is like unrestricted market, whether it is like some sort of regulated market, you know, it doesn't matter, right? It's still demand. Yeah, that's true. So Klima is basically a mimetic innovation. <laughs> you could say it like that, a narrative innovation. Yeah, yeah. Mimetic innovation and also a bit like, I don't, I don't know any other project that would consciously like try to channel crypto speculation as a resource to move some equilibrium in the real world in, in such like very focused way. So this is what, what's very interesting because I kind of feel like speculation and like greed on the markets is something that's like eternal. You know, we see it every day in crypto, people pump stuff and dump stuff and it kind of and farm stuff, right? And we kind of, we, we see it as necessary evil, right? Like people need to make money in order for, for you know, this thing to work. Uh, but what if it's just some sort of a powerful resource that we can maybe harness in, in a way that, that helps something else somewhere else? And I'm really curious to see how this ends. I, I don't have the answer. I'm very excited to, to see it in, in action. And yeah, it's like, it's one of the most exciting. I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if there is something else I'm as excited to see in the real world on some meaningful scale as I am Klimadao. Wow, that being really? said, it's also like very risky. It can, there are many bottlenecks that can like make it very like friction heavy, right? You may not have enough carbon offsets uh, bridged on chain to be able to cover the demand. I mean, there are, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. It's definitely risky as an investment. So definitely I want, I want the listeners to understand that as well. That being said, it's one of the most outrageous ideas out there. And I really can't wait to see how it goes. Yes, this is not investment advice. Uh, invest at your own peril. Um, one thing, are carbon credits like universal? Meaning if I plant a tree in the US versus in Europe? is So, so this is where my knowledge is still a bit lacking. I, I asked all these questions and I had all the answers, but I already forgot it was like a two-hour call with Klima team. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, and here's disclaimer, probably a fact check somewhere. If I remember correctly, there are a couple of global nonprofits which are sanctioned by government somehow, or like, you know, they are working with governments, but they are nonprofits. Uh, and they are issuing this carbon, voluntary carbon offsets, right? This is the other type of carbon offsets. And then there are companies that can ask uh, for these carbon offsets, like some companies in, I don't know, in some areas uh, where they can have some environmental impact. And then there is some sort of an, I don't know, some, audit or something that uh, uh, there is someone in the non-profit that decides which which project will get these carbon offsets and how many and stuff like that but here my knowledge is kind of lacking i just know that this market is kind of growing there are like many big corporations that are already committed to spend x and z amount of money uh, on carbon offsets in like next 10 years just because they want to be carbon neutral and eco-friendly and all that because it's about being eco-friendly right now is a huge, huge narrative, uh, which everyone wants to be part of. And I, I am not expert on environment, so I cannot really say how much of that is like just virtue signaling and how much of that is actually like net positive. I, I, I would like to believe that there is at least something positive about doing all this just with, uh, with carbon offsets. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely happy to see if 
something like Climadao can have meaningful impact on that market. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. It's definitely interesting. I like taking the approach that's more market driven rather than to create some sort of, uh, I don't know, pie in the sky type of ideas. I don't know, like, like you said, there's a lot of uh, virtue signaling, uh, like maybe with NFTs, people are like, oh, it's bad for the environment. So I'm not going to use NFTs. Uh, obviously, that seems pretty ridiculous and doesn't really improve anything. But trying to actually incentivize one-to-one these credits is definitely, a, it could be a powerful idea. So, uh, yeah. and, and I mean, it's still like huge attention thing. Like so many people all around the globe are debating environmental, environmental challenges every day. You know, you have this huge like marketing campaign. So it's already, it captures a lot of human attention, regulations, like new policies and like big companies, you know, are, are you know, trying to care about that as well. Um, so it's already a huge attention thing, whether it's legit or not, you know, there is a lot of bullshit in that category as well, but the narrative will like pro- probably be here with us, whether Klimadao exists or not. And yeah, it's another good example of like riding the narrative plus, you know, trying to have some sort of innovation below the narrative that kind of supports it. Absolutely. On the topic of outrageous ideas, are there any other outrageous ideas that you either you've invested in or you, that you've encountered? Mm, I'm not sure if there is some, I mean, Olympus itself is also pretty outrageous, right? But you already covered that to a large extent. One thing that I still feel is very underappreciated by the market, and I know the reason why, but uh, is a POCT network, which is our, one of our older investments, and it takes a bit more time to kind of develop it and, and put it on the market. It's already working, just the token is not out, and I think that's a big part of the reason why people don't talk about it as much, because there is no token to center around and align with, uh, if you own it, right? But POCT is trying to create decentralized network of node providers for various blockchains so something like decentralized infura um, and it is the network and the marketplace at the same time um, so in theory it will be like even cheaper to use than infura while being much more decentralized so it will take care because right now you know the problem it's, it's middleware thesis right so the problem is that there are many like centralized services providing nodes to many different app developers who can't be bothered to run their own nodes. Um, but it's like, still very centralized and it can be it can become a bottleneck if blockchains are getting like really big and adopted. So Pog Network wants to challenge that and have this like middle layer network with many different node providers that are economically incentivized to run these nodes and they are paid by developers who who are you know who want to use this blockchain data from independent nodes without running the node themselves so this is something a bit more technical but i still feel that you know it's something that's underrated um everybody just is happy to use centralized or semi-centralized services and if if this will like work on scale the way we hope it will like it will be this like middle layer it will span multiple blockchains and like many, many node providers. It will be like living ecosystem of, of blockchain nodes from various blockchains. And it can become like, I don't know, even some sort of decentralized 
on-chain data oracle service or something like that. It can become many different things very fast if, if, it, uh, if it gets to work on scale. Right now it's already working. You can actually use it uh, instead of Infra. Um, and yeah, with, with the token and like the network, you know, being pushed out by the end of this year in its final form, I kind of, I'm very curious to see if it will change the way how we interact or how developers interact with blockchains or if it, uh, yeah, if it will be molded into something very different. Nice, very interesting, very interesting. Well, I wanna move to winding down this conversation, but I have a couple last questions for you. Um, what are some of your goals, personal goals, maybe in the short term and long term? Like from my personal perspective as a person, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, I, I'm actually thinking quite a lot about this. And as I said, you know, uh, the tweet, like uh, the tweet about me not feeling much while earning more money. I started to think like what would be the next like set of goals I should pursue and um, I kind of think that I should take much better care about my health so I'm right now my short-term goal is to like have as many different like medical uh, exams and tests as possible to kind of see if there are some you know problems in anything and focus on those and then like the next step is to kind of start you know doing doing something around like longevity for example i don't like the word too much but i want to kind of make sure that i will live a healthier life or healthy life as long as possible and you know i have i'm lucky enough to have enough resources to be able to pursue the, this direction you know with uh, um basically without without limits um, so i want to try to focus more on that and uh, yeah, other than that, as I said, I, I'd like to travel much more right now and um, maybe start to be more balanced as a person. I was very deep into crypto and I still enjoy it, but I kind of feel that there were some sacrifices I made and I kind of need to get back to a point where I'm, I, my chair doesn't only have one leg, but like at least three. Got to, I got to. Well, you're quite an adventurer. So what are some of your most exciting destinations? Where are you looking forward to going to? Oh, well, right now it will be mostly, you know, Lisbon. Um, it's, you know, there are conferences there. But after that, um, it depends on COVID situation. If like um, COVID lockdowns lift in Asia, I'm definitely like trying to get there and travel through some Asian countries I, I haven't visited yet. Um, if not, maybe I will try something in South America and yeah, in the meantime, I will probably have some European road trip, like shorter one with one of my friends and colleagues or, or two of them, the friends who will join me. Um, but yeah, like nothing really, like I don't have like specific goal, like, you know, climb Mount Everest or anything like it. I just want to, you know, I just want to randomize my experience by going somewhere, you know, sticking my finger, uh, you know, into the map and saying, I'm going there, you know, blind and see what's there. So this was, this was always the way how I, how I did my travels and adventures. And I kind of want to return to that because it exposes you to unexpected things and experiences you wouldn't plan, even if you wanted to. What's a, what's a memorable occasion that this happened? What was your favorite adventure? Mm. 
Well, I have many of those, but one of the ones that uh, one of the ones that I really cherish was uh, was going to Sri Lanka for three weeks without any plan or anything, and just randomly traveling using tuk tuk this three wheel vehicle, even between cities. It's usually used as a uh, like small taxi uh, within like within particular town or city but we were using it to travel between cities so like sometimes six to seven hours riding through jungle path you know on on tuk-tuk um so yeah we, we kind of me and my friend kind of traveled across sri lanka using tuk-tuk and <laughs> that was and we we encountered like many locals and sometimes they scammed us you know they invited us uh, into their village for a big like Sri Lankan national no, national like local barbecue experience and when we get there they were like the whole village was ready but there was no meat no food and they expected us to buy everything for them right so I mean it was cheap so it was okay but you know, it was, you know that was funny and we had like many many encounters like this uh, on our journey so this this was probably one of my favorite although I have many like other adventures similar to this I like it. I like it. They invite you for a meal, but you got to bring the food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like it. And for the whole village. And they, uh, they like kept a lot of supplies for like at least uh, next month or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's terrible. That's terrible. Um, awesome. That sounds awesome. Um, if you had a billboard in a highly trafficked area, uh, Times Square, what would you put on it? Wow, that's that's interesting question. Um, follow me on Twitter at Fiscantes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, because it cannot. Like, I would probably put up some meme. You know, something with. I don't know, maybe the bell curve meme, but I would need to, you know, figure out the message that hits a lot of people. Um, so I would either, you know, I would either like channel people to follow me on Twitter to give to them like, um, message, like put some message there, or I would just put some, some random meme there, something very silly. I don't know. I, I don't believe in like motivational quotes or stuff like that. I would, I would probably just have fun with it. I like it. I like it. Uh, briefly on the topic of Twitter, last time we spoke, I think you had like 10,000 followers or something. Now you must be uh, 50 plus. Has your experience of the platform changed? Mm, a bit. There are many like reply guys that don't really make sense. Like when I was under 10K, it felt a bit more like a like closer family and people actually understood the jokes and some of the memes much better right now there usually are many people who don't get the sarcasm or whatever they start to explain some something to me which i like they don't have to just because they feel like i i <laughs> I, I am dumb and i mean something seriously um other than that it's definitely there is like bigger responsibility with everything i say i kind of feel it i still try to have as much fun as possible because for me twitter is still mostly fun despite the fact that I actually I made a lot of money thanks to Twitter because of our like deal flow which were which were which was inbound uh, thanks to my Twitter activity and you know there was a lot of alpha shared with me via Twitter as well 
Um, but I still, you know, I'm just having fun on Twitter and kind of start to feel that sometimes I cannot have as much fun as I would like to, just because some people take stuff either personally or literally or literally, or maybe they blindly follow me for advice. And when I'm, you know, having fun with something, they suddenly start to like, you know, burning money at it. Like there was this one occasion, there was this NFT gaming project, which had these NFTs called black boxes and everybody was talking about it. And I, I was looking, looking it up on OpenSea and I looked up wrong black boxes, some, some old forgotten art project by someone, uh, some Anon. Uh, it was just 256 shades of gray, like, like square shades of gray and, that, gray, and that was it. Like there was nothing, no meaning connected to it, but it was also called black boxes. So I tweeted about it and it, the price was like, the floor was like nothing, like 0.01, it's like the zero volume, nobody cared about it. And I just, you know, jokingly tweeted about it, like, like I found these black boxes, but I don't see what the fuzz is all about or something like that. And I just linked to these wrong black boxes. And suddenly some people started to pump it up to like 0.1, which was like 10x, you know, and buying all these black boxes. And, and I mean, I had fun with it. I continue to have fun, like mocking people who are buying these, like these flippers, you know, who thought that because I tweet about something, it, it must be good and it must pump. So I kind of wanted to turn it into a lesson uh, for people who just blindly do stuff because big influencer tweets about it. Um, and luckily, I mean, probably in, people didn't lose as much or, or too much money on these black boxes, but <laughs> then obviously it dumped back because all these flippers realized that nobody is buying it anymore. So you had like 0.01 ETH, then it went up to 0.1, which is like the next, and then it gradually <laughs> went back down to 0.01. So I organized my own like little pump and dump with black boxes and I kind of realized that, okay, so this is now something I need to be mindful of that, you know, people will, will ape into stuff that I talk about, even if it's in a joke. Yes. With great follower count comes great responsibility. I understand. I understand that. Um, so how would you like the listeners to take action after this conversation? Um, yeah, so in tune with my own goals, like I, I don't know how many of your listeners already like made like significant amount of money that uh, you know helps them to um, pursue their health uh, more intensively or like their health goals. But I would definitely advise people who have at least like six digits already like made from crypto to kind of put some of that into like quality. Um, quality like healthcare, even for prevention, especially if they are like, I don't know, over 30. Um, because I kind of feel that this is something that as we sit behind our computers, click buttons all day, we kind of, you know, forget, forget about, especially during COVID. Everybody was like, focus only on COVID. Do I have COVID? Do I don't have it? Uh, do I need to get vaccinated? But you know, there are still many other health issues you might have, uh, you might have and not know about. And the other advice would be to anchor yourself within crypto with some like set of net positive values um, because it's very easy to become like cynical like speculator who thinks that everything is just short term zero sum game ponzi and everybody's going to dump on you and you know you need to be first in and first out you know you need to dump on others i mean if you do this you will definitely be able to make a lot of money but you will 
gradually become empty inside and this dark pill will like create a void within you that you cannot fill with money later on so it's always better to whether it is within crypto crypto or maybe outside of crypto to anchor yourself to some set of good values i would say whatever it is it should be net positive meaning it should be constructive not destructive but it should be something that's that transcends just numbers on the screen I like it. I like it. Papa Fisk telling you to go outside and not be an asshole. And touch grass. <laughs> touch the grass. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate your wisdom. I think you have a very um you have a peace of mind which I think is something that I personally would like to uh cultivate to have more of. And it gives you a little bit of a better life experience. So thank you for sharing that and um I, I, I feel so old when I listen to this like I feel like I'm already like some this old guy you know who's just giving it I mean I don't I still I still haven't figured a lot of shit up, uh, out I mean I'm still like learning how to how to navigate this this vast space but yeah thanks thanks for kind words Oh we well, you're not a god You're not a Greek god. I thought you invested in Olympus. What do you mean? That's those. No, I just I mean, I'm the I'm the Prometheus who brought the fire to the people. I hope the Zeus won't punish me too much for it. I like it. I like it. Well, Fiscantes, <laughs> it's a pleasure speaking to you. I really appreciate it and continued success with your goals, your health, your wellness, your investments, and I look forward to uh speaking again with you soon. Thank you very much and take care.